Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Health by Design. I am Roar Alexander, the wellness architect and Canada's healthy lifestyle expert. Today I have a great show for you that is again, like my last show, something that I've recorded back in the summer and it's been held in my laptop for months now and I've really been meaning to get it out to you. Um, this is a very special interview with Dr. Talavain Krishna. He is an Ayurvedic specialist. He's a medical doctor and he's also an Ayurvedic specialist from India and he owns the India Indus Valley um, Ayurvedic Center, which is um, an amazing, an amazing Ayurvedic and kind of yoga center that I went to uh, last year when my friend Ramona Brigands. Of course, you probably heard of Ramona Brigands on my podcast before, celebrity trainer to, you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Halle Berry, Jessica Alba, just tons of people. Um, and luckily, I actually get to train Ramona quite often uh, whenever she's in Vancouver or when she's, you know, she's, I've trained with her in other places as well. But Ramona asked me, you know, if I would come along with her and go check out this um, uh, Ayurvedic medicine she knows I have a real interest in the kind of the eastern stuff so she invited me to that and it was really great well Dr. Talavain Krishna ended up coming to Vancouver in the summertime uh, where myself Ramona and him did a talk and he was the keynote speaker at that um, and we talked about, yeah, he talked about Ayurvedic medicine. I came and I talked about, you know, just probably kind of uh, mitigating your, your home health in, in, the, in the 21st century. I also spoke with Jason Mazik, who is a building biologist. He's also been on my podcast. So make sure you go back and listen to that if you're interested in EMFs. Um, but we just talk about a lot of great stuff, everything Ayurvedic. Now, if you don't know what Ayurvedic medicine is, it's kind of true. It is traditional Indian holistic medicine. It's, you know, anywhere they say up to about 6,000 years old, roughly. Uh, obviously, it's evolved and it's changed a little bit throughout time, but it involves, you know, the use of herbs. It involves uh, psychology. It involves yoga. So yoga is a part of Ayurvedic medicine. And then we also talk about Vastu Shastra, or just Vastu for short. And Vastu is kind of the original. Think of it as the original Feng Shui. Um, what happened a lot, if you really look at history, what happened a lot is, you know, India was kind of the the center for all of this ancient philosoph uh, philosophy and ancient medicine. And what happens is it spread over time and went to different parts of, you know, Asia. So that's how you have, you know, Thai yoga. If you look at Thai yoga, it's about a 25-year-old art that, again, you can see it originates from Indian yoga. You have traditional Chinese medicine. You have feng shui. You have Tibetan yoga. All of that is basically evolutions and diverging branches of a lot of Indian philosophies and Ayurvedic medicine being kind of the key one. Ayurvedic medicine even has, you know, what the Ayurvedic clock, which is really interesting stuff because one of the things we hear about now is the uh, circadian circadian clock, you know, that circadian rhythm, getting the sunlight in the morning, talking about your melatonin, you hear it a lot about the blue light, I'm sure you guys have heard, you know, me or other people talking about blue light, and we're really talking about getting more circadian in your life, there's evidence that's showing, you know, just by following circadian principles, um, you can even lose weight, you can get more energy, you know, it can reverse health issues, um, the interesting part about this is why circadian um, you know, circadian knowledge really only came around around 1935 and only in the last, oh God, I'll even say two years has really been promoted as kind of a health avenue we should be looking at. Ayurvedic medicine already had the Ayurvedic clock thousands of years ago that basically said, you know, your smallest meal, dinner, your smallest meal should be dinner. Uh, you should be eating bigger throughout the day. The best time to exercise in the morning. You want to be in bed by 10 o'clock. You talked about all the different uh, rhythms of the human body. And now, 
we can take that Ayurvedic clock and we match it to the circadian clock and the two of them really line up really, really well. Little different minor tweaks, but if you look at it overall, you know, 80, 85% of what the Ayurvedic clock has been telling us for thousands of years before we had all these molecular tele, you know, microscopes and all these different scanners to scan the brain, stuff that's been telling us for a long time. So speaking of, you know, long time, Ayurvedic medicine, you know, for a long time was kind of ignored, kind of thought is kind of hokey, uh, you know, not really real. And now there's more and more research coming out all the time that's showing you, hey, in fact, a lot of these Ayurvedic things, you know, they're real. This is a real true science. Um, and we can just look in our in our day to day, like when I talked about herbs, right? Ayurvedic medicine uses cayenne, right? Now, if you go to a supplement store, they talk about using cayenne to help increase your circulation, you know, help get blood flowing for people that have like cold fingers and cold toes. Ayurvedic doctors were using that a long time ago. Cinnamon. We now know that cinnamon is really good at help balancing your blood sugar levels. Ayurvedic medicine knew that a long time ago. Ashwagandha. You guys have heard of ashwagandha? Well, that's an Ayurvedic herb. You buy any bag of ashwagandha, it's going to say Ayurvedic herb that helps to relieve stress, helps to lower down cortisol. Again, they didn't know the word cortisol back then, but they knew, hey, if you take this, it would mellow you out. Another one super popular, probably even more than ashwagandha, turmeric. You know, turmeric, curcumin, the yellow stuff that everybody's all the rage about again been used in ayurvedic medicine in india cooking for thousands of years we've only found out about it really um, in the main media i should say you know for the last few years i've worked in nutrition stores for a long time we were talking about curcumin you know 10 20 years ago there was curcumin capsules available but back then it was only you know kind of in those fringe newspapers and some of the weirdo magazines but uh you know now we know that it works um so Another thing we talk about, we talk about so many great aspects. Um, like I said, we talk about Vastu. Uh, Vastu, I love talking about Vastu because there's so many. That's the one that, again, that reminder, that is the one that is like feng shui, the, the original feng shui. Um, and then feng shui kind of grew from Vastu. We talk about that. Vastu does, you know, just creates those subtle energies in your home to just help you prosper and health and prosperity. And we talk about the science behind that and the way he's used it as well. Um, so some really great stuff there. And it's really hard to find any books in English on Vastu. Uh, and, and Dr. Krishna has a book called The Vastu Workbook. So a uh, great book if you get a chance to check it out. There's so few books actually written on the topic of Vastu versus the, the topic of Feng Shui. Other thing we talk about is we talk about yoga and we talk about kind of that westernization of yoga. If you know me personally, I probably haven't talked about it a lot on podcasts, but I am really not a big fan of this like Lululemon, uh, you know, westernized yoga. I call it woga. It's just, you know, don't give it just white women yoga. It's like Lululemon and, and, and tappies and appies and expensive outfits and nothing but asana as well. We talk a little bit about that, and he actually has a much uh, better take on it, much more polite take on it. He actually sort of changed my opinion on it a little bit um, about, you know, what is real yoga, like what's wrong with yoga. And we talk just about, you know, we I bring it up the fact that I don't like the Western yoga, and he kind of talks about his point of view when it comes to Western yoga versus traditional yoga. Um, the other thing we talk about, and this is the last thing I'll talk about before we get into it, is we talk about um, the use of a puja room when it comes to Vastu and when it just comes to uh, Indian kind of home design. And the puja room is a room that 
I was heavily inspired by through my trips in, in India, but also uh, not even Pooja rooms necessarily. They, they were a big inspiration for me. I started researching them a lot when I kind of learned about them. But anywhere you go in Asia, you'll see a lot of homes of these little shrines, especially Buddhist homes, I should say, have you know, all these little shrines and uh, little areas in the house that are kind of little kind of sacred areas. And from that, uh, and just you know, just my living in Asia, what I started doing is I started putting together a Zen zone, um, which you know, which I have all my clients do. Just a, a little. I don't even want to call it a meditation area because you don't have to use it for meditation. A lot of people, when you say the word meditation, they get these weird things in their head about some man sitting on a mountain with a big beard, you know, like this and doing the thing. Um, you know, you can just sit at just a little area, throw out a couple of Zafus, a couple of Zabutons, uh, floor cushions, whatever. Just give yourself a little space where you can sit down, maybe read a book, do some drawing, journal a bit. Uh, just get down on the floor. You know, we talk about the no, the, the you know, the... Um, the sitting is the new smoking. So just getting down to the floor because that's something we don't do outside, honestly, of a gym or when you fall down. Um, so getting yourself a Zen zone. Again, the Zen zone was really heavily inspired by the puja room. Now, obviously, in you know traditional India, the puja room is a prayer room. Um, so you know I'm not talking about using your Zen zone for prayer necessarily. If that's what you're into, great. I'm talking about using it as just a place for you to relax, you to focus on you. We have you know you have a shower, you take a shower, you got a kitchen where you cook food, you got a living room where you sit, you got a bedroom where you sleep. You know, think every room. You got a laundry room where you do laundry. Every room has a purpose, has a energy with it. If you're you know, hopefully your room has an energy too. A lot of people's are incorrect, but you get my point is every room has a point, but that area where you can come and de-stress. That area, it doesn't have to be a whole room. Just a small corner where you can de-stress, where it's all about you, where you can take back your me time. And I'm not, that sleeping doesn't count. Sleeping is not a stress reliever. Sleeping is a form of recovery that's very stupid important. But you also need that mindful, focused me time. Um, and having that Zen zone, that little meditative corner, or whatever, is a great way to start to get that more into your life. So if you don't have one, uh, make sure you go to my YouTube channel. Uh, I am going to be doing quite a number of posts on there. By the time you see this, it should be up. If not, there's going to be lots of posts on there um, in the home, the, the home section about you know designing your Zen zone, different aspects when it comes to designing your home. So if you don't follow my YouTube channel, make sure you go to that. Um, I post all these podcasts here as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, but I got lots of great stuff. I think I can have at least three or four videos coming up on uh, furniture-free living. Um, there's blogs on my website as well, which is just roaralexander.com. You can go to check out my blogs. A lot of the blogs reflect the video. The videos reflect the podcast. So uh, it really does work together. You know, the podcast, the other topics I talk about on this podcast appear in my YouTube and then some of my YouTube stuff appears on my blog. So really great way if you just kind of chase it around and you'll kind of get the entire picture where the podcast is really just a part of that picture. Um, anyways, I don't want to keep rambling on. I've been rambling on now for over 10 minutes. So let's get, oh, before we actually, before I get on, there is one thing I'd like to say towards the end of the video, um, Dr. Krishna, we were using his Airbnb and his Airbnb happened to be quite close to a SkyTrain. So there's a few times you kind of hear a little bit of rumble in the background, the sound, and nothing we can do about that. There's a SkyTrain going by. And because we did have a small studio audience, I believe Ramona was there as well, we do have a couple of cell phones that go off near the end. So if all of a sudden a cell phone starts ringing, you start panicking that it's yours, you drive and you reach over for your thing, um, just ask 
yourself, number one, is, is that what my ringer sounds like? Because uh, I tried to edit them out as much as I could, but a few rings still got through. So just keep that in mind. Uh, anyways, I really hope you guys enjoy this. Tons of great talks. I really hope you enjoy the part where we get into a little bit about yoga, a little bit about um, Vastu, and just Ayurvedic medicine, and why I think you know you should really think about living more of a just just implementing more of an ayurvedic lifestyle into your life i think it's really important i think it's something we're missing today so with no further ado let's get on to the episode with dr talavane krishna you're listening to the health by design podcast and i'm your host rora alexander wellness architect and functional lifestylist I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast. I am here, as I said in the intro, with Dr. Talavane Krishna. How are you today? Great. Excellent. Um, fantastic weather too. It is. You're <laughs> lucky. You're lucky. You got the yeah. one day. It's supposed to be sunny here in Vancouver. Well, we got that one day here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So enjoy while it lasts. Yeah, so you um, are normally based in India, right. and just outside of Bangalore. Is it, is it Bangalore yeah. or Mysore? Like Mysore. It's about Mysore. Uh, 140 kilometers southwest of Bangalore. Okay. Yeah. And you have the beautiful uh, Indus Valley Ayurvedic Resort. Yes. Yeah, so I, always, I always have a hard time with the name, but I got it perfectly. <laughs> Indus Valley Ayurvedic Center. Indus Valley Ayurvedic Center. Okay. Yes. My bad. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> um, an absolutely beautiful resort. Uh, I was lucky that Ramona, our friend, mutual friend Ramona Brigands, invited me there last year. And absolutely amazing. She did a lot of the treatments. Um, I did a lot of just the yoga and just hanging out, um, <laughs> but enjoy enjoyed the food. Was it breakfast or lunch? That's the the biggest meal of the day. Was it breakfast? The lunch. The lunch. lunch. Yeah, I, yeah, I quite enjoyed the lunches. Yeah. Sometimes dinners, I was left a little hungry, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, a, a lot of a uh, lot of people are going for treatment and all in the morning, mm -hmm. so they don't uh, take uh, heavy breakfast. Oh, okay. So yeah. Usually the lunch is a bigger part. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I do. I remember. I remember we love the lunches, <laughs> and it was all vegetarian too. I believe. Yeah. It's all vegetarian and mostly organic okay yeah whatever we can source organic uh, we source the organic for the okay yeah now the question I guess first we'll talk about what Ayurveda is in a moment but I guess just one question just while we're talking about the food is is do you have to be vegetarian in Ayurveda or is it no actually uh, it is uh, like this for certain diseases and all actually Ayurveda does recommend certain uh, non-vegetarian uh, food Okay. And also for people who have been taking non-vegetarian food for uh, generations or mm -hmm. their habit, there is a way of cooking the non-vegetarian food to adjust to the particular body constitution. Okay. But for those who really are into Ayurveda and spirituality and all, you know, for them to have the uh, sattvic uh, quality, which is a very um, uh, quality of the mind, 
which is not very disturbing. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, easy to uh, concentrate. That is called sattvic quality. Okay. And for those, uh, yes, vegetarian is better. Plant-based food is better. Okay. Yes. That's what, okay, yeah. that, that's yeah. kind of what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess then let's uh, take it back again because I, I, I tend to jump ahead a lot. Let's talk then about people are listening right now and we've already started talking about what Ayurvedic food is, but let's talk about what Ayurvedic medicine is in, in general. So let's talk about your background first. You are a traditionally trained medical Doctor, like Western yes. sort of medicine right. doctor, and then I'm you, trained as a uh, pediatric anesthesiologist. Oh, okay, yeah. very nice. Yeah. Okay, I, what does that mean exactly? Pediatric anesthesiologist means uh, it is a subspecialty in anesthesia where uh, you concentrate mostly on the children, children yeah. and newborns. Okay, yeah. now how did that then lead into your work into specializing in kind of Ayurvedic medicine and opening a uh, well? Center? They are quite different actually, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exposure to Ayurveda has been uh, in the family and also uh, I entered Ayurveda through my spiritual journey basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I started my spiritual journey when I was 10 years old mm-hmm. and I met my spiritual master when I was 13 years old Okay. and I was very close with him for six years when he left the body mm-hmm. and uh, so, like, he like saw my Pardon? He passed on? Like yes. Left, okay, yeah, left yeah. the body. Okay, yeah, gotcha. he left the body. Yeah, okay, gotcha. The body. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because we don't normally use the word died because, mm. you know, the enlightened people don't die. You mm-hmm. know, you just say they leave the body. He just left the body. Yeah. He, he entered the ether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that uh, which doctor I wanted to be, whether Ayurvedic doctor or the modern medicine doctor. Okay. But my master told me a lot about Ayurveda and philosophy and all these things in a seed form because I was quite young at that time, you know, 14, 15 years old. Okay. And uh, he said that I should study the modern medicine mm-hmm. and that will give me a better uh, foundation and I can also see the other side, how it is. Okay. And then at some days in the future, I have a mission in Ayurveda. Okay. to do. But I didn't know what this mission was, when it is going to be, how it is going to be, nothing was revealed. Okay. And I asked him how I'm going to do it, when I'm going to study Ayurveda and all. He said, no, Ayurveda will come to you. You will learn it. You don't have to go to Ayurveda college. But there uh, are colleges for it. Pardon? There are colleges. There are about okay. 300 colleges in uh, India and okay. it's a four and a half year curriculum wow, okay. and a year of internship just like the modern medicine. Okay. Uh, so it's a very deep uh, science. Mm-hmm. But he said, don't go. No, no, don't go. But you study the modern medicine, Ayurveda, whatever you need, it will come to you. Hmm. Uh, you will, uh, you will know it okay. at the time. So, so that was it. That was all I had from him. And then, mm-hmm. turn of event took place. I became a medical doctor. I went to UK. Did my college fellowship. So you did came your to Canada. You did your formal schooling in, in the in UK. India. In, 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 in India. India. Okay. Then I did the post graduation part in uh, UK. Okay. And then I came to Canada, where I did the uh, Pediatric Anesthesia Fellowship, and okay. I continued that a little bit more in the USA, mm-hmm. and then I practiced there for a long time. Okay. Uh, then, in 93, 92 time, the turn of events in life came to a point that I wanted to go back and do something about Ayurveda. Okay. Do something about Ayurveda. I didn't know how to do it, what to do it, and all. I went back to India. It took me four or five years to figure out how to do it, what Were to do it. Were you reading books or anything on it? Oh yeah, I was reading books and okay. I was actually learning a lot about Ayurveda and 
various sciences related to Ayurveda, like for example, uh, Vastu, which is uh, like Feng Shui. <coughs> uh, it's uh, art of placement. It has got a great uh, importance and connection to Ayurveda and the health. Mm-hmm. And astrology, astrology also has got a very uh, great importance in Ayurveda, mm-hmm. yoga, yep. Ayurvedic pulse reading. I went into quite depth in all this. And also I continued my spiritual journey and I even intensified it. So together, when I put this all together, it's a nice package it came to me. Yeah. And then I started this center and now I've been going out wherever I go. I. I get a lot of people from all over the world to my center, Mm -hmm. so they arrange some talks and this and that. So I go and talk about Ayurveda, yoga and various connections to holistic health. Hmm. Did your center start off as big as it is now? Was it smaller at the time or did you just go like all out and just like... No, no. It uh, it started off as a very small thing. It's now 20 years uh, ago it started. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's slowly growing and it's growing. Now I have about uh, 25... uh, accommodations like villas, rooms, three, four categories mm-hmm. in there and it's on 25 acres. Okay. So very green, it's very beautiful and the weather in Mysore is very salubrious. Yes, it doesn't get it was too nice hot. when I was there. Yeah, it doesn't get too hot or too cold, it's always very moderate, a little bit warmer than, you know, maybe San Diego. But a little uh, warmer than Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> 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 that's for sure, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember coming because I was living in Thailand at the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, this is so much cooler than Thailand. It was yeah. actually nice because we went on um, with, a, with, it was in the garage. He was there and he took us, uh, one uh-huh. of your, one of, somebody that was there, took us on a nice tour of the 16 kilometer walk that day. Oh, you wouldn't want to uh, do that in Thailand. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we walked all the way to the top of the mountain. Right. To see the temple that chime down. Yeah, so it was hill, like four yeah. in the morning till about eight in the morning. I think we just made it in time yeah. for breakfast. It, it's a beautiful thing. It has a thousand yeah. steps to climb. Yeah. We well, we took we didn't take this. I think we took the the street. Oh, street. yeah. We took okay. the street. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, he yeah. showed us there were steps, and we took the street. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but yeah. it just I guess maybe the angle we left or something. Right. Sure. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah. And, and in fact, Mysore is one of the most beautiful cities in India now, mm-hmm. you know, it has, uh, the weather-wise is the number one, mm-hmm. and it has a 3,000 acre uh, hillock park in, in the city, Okay. it has a river in the north, a river in the south, yeah. and uh, two, three national the... parks, the tigers, Okay. It's yeah, wonderful. yeah. I remember yeah. seeing the signs for that. We went to a castle. There was like a temple there, or a big yeah. castle or something. Yeah, there, there is a castle type, there's a palace. Mm-hmm. The palace, yeah. It was a, it was a Old capital of uh, kingdom of Mysore. Okay. Maharajas. And for people that may have heard of Mysore, that's very popular now for yoga retreats, I think, too. Yes. For the, is it Ashtanga that's the yeah. popular kind there? It's very popular uh, for all this uh, Vedic wisdom or ancient wisdom like yoga, Ayurveda, and all. For yoga, some of the most famous people like Patavijoyas, Krishnamachar, uh, and his disciple uh, Iyengar. You know, all this they took birth in my soul. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, because the I know, because when I was researching, because I'm uh, I'm sending the wife off to do yoga, and I was looking at Mysore, and then there's Rishikesh. Do you know anything about Rishikesh? Because they call that the birthplace <laughs> of yoga. So yeah. what's that? What's what's the deal with Rishikesh? Rishikesh is uh, way up in the north. Uh, it's mm. on the banks of the Ganges River. Yes. It's uh, probably two thousand miles away from uh, where we are. Yes, it's, it's uh, quite it's, very, a, it's, very it's, it's a bit of a walk. Yeah. 
So there, you know, a lot of these uh, saints and sages and uh, people into spirituality and all that started. And a lot of uh, yoga schools came up there, Shivananda Yoga, and you know, a lot of uh, places are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, the whether it is yoga or Ayurveda, it is not uh, you know part of any uh, one place in India. Mm. It is basically where it is nurtured more. Okay. So the yoga is probably nurtured more in uh, Rishikesha. Mm-hmm. Although the most of the famous yoga teachers are from Mysore. Oh, okay. Uh, so is the Ayurveda. You know, it was mostly nurtured in Kerala. Mm-hmm. So the people almost uh, call it synonymously as Kerala Ayurveda. But it is not oh, okay. Kerala Ayurveda, it is Ayurveda of India, basically. Gotcha. So let's talk about then what exactly Ayurveda is. Because it's, it's very, it's, it's complex. Because I know the other day you tried to do a talk and I was like, tell us about Ayurveda in 20 minutes. <laughs> so you take a 6,000, you know, about 6,000 year old medical, is it more like a medical philosophy than a system? Correct. Is that what they, so how would yeah. you describe it? Well, you see, Ayurveda means uh, science of life. Science of life. Veda means uh, science. Mm-hmm. Ayur means life. Mm-hmm. Science of life. Okay. It is part of one of the Vedas. We have four major scriptures in India, in the mm-hmm. Hinduism. Okay. Uh, it's part of, they are called Vedas. There are four of them. And Ayurveda is mainly the part of the one Veda and also a part of another Veda. The two Vedas uh, describe about the Ayurveda. Okay. And yoga is also there. And yoga and Ayurveda are like two sides of the same coin. Is yoga a third Veda or is it? Or uh, is no, it no, no. It, it is there. It is there. It's not the third Veda. The, okay. the three, four Vedas are Rugveda, Ayurveda, Samaveda, Atharvaveda, like that. Okay. The Ayurveda is part of the Rugveda and also part of the Atharvaveda, the fourth Veda. Okay. See, the. Other sciences, for example, the Vastu, which is the art of placement, which mm-hmm. is uh, more famous in the West as Feng Shui in a different way, but mm-hmm. there, is, there are differences between Feng Shui and Vastu, of course. Yes. And also the Ayurvedic pulse reading, all these things in astrology, they're all, when you go deeper and deeper into the Ayurveda, mm-hmm. it tells you all about it. Ayurveda is not just about giving some herbs and other things. So Ayurveda is not just about treatments? No. Okay. Ayurveda is about bringing the balance in the body and the mind. So is yoga, so then what we could say then is yoga is part of Ayurveda? Yes. Yoga Vastu is part of Ayurveda. Correct. Yoga helps you to balance your mind. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda helps you balance your physical structure and the channels and the energy centers and all those things. Okay. Vastu helps you to reside in a place where all the cosmic forces are harmoniously arranged in a dwelling, in a house, okay. or in a residence, or in a town, uh, or wherever you are living. Mm-hmm. So that is Vastu. You know, it's like wearing a perfect suit. You know, you're very comfortable Mm -hmm. and you know, suit becomes you and you become the suit like that. Mm -hmm. So the vibration in the house and vibration Mm -hmm. within you, they harmonize together because everything, whatever is happening in the cosmos is happening within us. We are the microcosmos. So when the microcosmos and the macrocosmos are in, not in harmony, there is a disturbance will take place. Mm -hmm. So to harmonize that and to go into a perfect uh, balance, between the cosmos and the microcosmos we are, the dwelling is the place where the energies come and go, so you have to balance perfectly where the door should be, where the bedroom should be, where you should sleep, 
which side you should put your hair, where it should be the kitchen, you know, all these things mm -hmm. are done. And uh, different uh, parts of the house are governed by different planetary energies. So understanding all these cosmic forces mm -hmm. and putting it together to your health and prosperity mm -hmm. is the Vastu. Gotcha. Now, Vastu, it's interesting. I want to talk about Vastu for a minute while we're on it because probably this is the first time almost anybody has heard it. You say feng shui, everybody's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I know that because there's 800 books on feng shui and, you know, they're, they're, on, they're on breakfast TV and every, you know, show every year yeah. for spring cleaning. Yeah. Vastu, though, how come, we, how come we haven't heard more about it? Is it because we haven't westernized, we haven't figured out how to westernize it yet? <laughs> Maybe that's one thing. And also, Vastu is uh, known to Indians uh, for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the rituals, like Vedic rituals and uh, uh, pujas, homas, egnas, whatever they, uh, you know, we do, mm -hmm. all these fo follow the Vastu principles. Okay. But it wasn't actually promoted in a proper way, in a systematic way, until maybe about 25 years ago. Really? So it started off like that, and a few people wrote the book, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, it, like it caught the fire. Okay. And then when I went back to India, I had zero knowledge mm -hmm. of Vastu. It's very hard to find information, particularly right. in English. Uh, right. Yeah. Then I uh, I wrote a book. I went very deep into the Vastu. Mm -hmm. I collected all the ancient literature on it. I studied that and I met a few masters in the, who were good in the Vastu knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I talked about it and I tried to understand the various implications. What is the relation between health and prosperity? Uh, what is the relation between Ayurveda and Vastu? Mm -hmm. As I started going deeper and deeper, my goodness, it was an amazing, amazing uh, science. Mm. So I understood that and I also found out that it does really operate on mm. everybody. And I had many practical experiences also and I have seen many people, homes and other things where Vastu was not corrected and it was corrected, all the things got corrected, even the health. Uh, some people who are having very chronic diseases for a long time and they were not getting better with any medicines and then you correct the Vastu and everything became fine after some time. It is an amazing science actually. Now let me ask you because when I was reading your book um, to me Vastu seems more uh, like with Feng Shui for instance you know if something's wrong you can usually just hang a crystal or pop a mirror there and it's like I fixed it you know but with Vastu it seems more like you literally have to like break down a door and move a door. Is it, is yes. it a little see, more Vastu, costly? <laughs> that's true. Unfortunately, that is true. Mm -hmm. Although Vastu does have certain corrective measures. See, to correct a built house mm -hmm. or a place where you live, it sometimes becomes a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. Because, well, you know, you don't... Too, yeah, that's true. That's because all these energies, you know, when they are flowing, in the cosmos, I mean, you you have very little power to change that, you know. Mm -hmm. So you can you have the power to change your construction, mm -hmm. but you can't change the moment of a Saturn or a moment of a Jupiter oh, or, or a star or something. <laughs> it is not. So that is why the uh, it is not that something you know they wanted to be very strict or anything. It is just they understood it that way. Okay. So when you understand something, and when it is something which is beyond your control. You have to adjust it. Now, let's say if it is raining so heavily, either you can go and uh, stay in some house, uh, inside the house, or you have to hold an umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. So, in the same way, in this, uh, the energies are coming, you have to adjust yourself 
to be protected or to expose it. You know, if you okay. have a good sun coming out and you want to be in the sun, you go in, out in the sun. Mm -hmm. If it is raining, you hold an umbrella, right? Yep. So the same way you have to have, okay, if the rain is coming on this side and you have to put an umbrella on there, mm -hmm. and you can go and put a little piece of mirror or something on the other place, it's not going to stop. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is how the vastu has to be understood. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when you <coughs> built your resort then, did you use vastu principles when you were building You know, yeah, <laughs> there are sometimes, uh, what do you call the destiny? Yeah. I didn't know anything about the vastu. I purchased a land yeah. at the time. And that was a perfect vastu. Really? Huh. So just but, naturally, uh, you just naturally. Came. But I started building a house, which was uh, everything was wrong there. Okay. I didn't know anything, and everything was going wrong. Mm -hmm. So that is when all this vastu knowledge came. You know, people started telling me, maybe you have something, some problem with the vastu. You got to get a vastu person, uh, an expert, to come and see that. And all. initially, I kind of shunned it out, you know. Yeah. But as the things started getting worse. Mm -hmm. uh, then I uh, got the Vastu consultant and he t before he entered the house, he told me everything what was going on and I was surprised. Mm -hmm. Then I started making the corrections. And okay. then that is when I tried to go very deep into the Vastu science. Then I wrote the book. Okay. And there is uh, actually in the beginning of the, my book, mm -hmm. that's my personal story. Why, yes. why I got into the Vastu, why I wrote the book and all. Mm -hmm. So that is a personal journey and an experience for me and it is my personal experience and I don't need any more confirmation from anybody else no, or from anywhere I, I else, you. you know. Now your house has a puja room as well, um, yes. which is a prayer room. Prayer room, yeah. And that's, that's um, part, every, all houses are supposed to pretty much have those, aren't they? Is that the idea? Yes. That all yes. houses should have at least a little area like yeah. that? Yeah. And in Vastu, I believe it's supposed to be kind of the center of the house, is that correct? Uh, no, no, no. No. Okay. Uh, there are certain positions where the puja room could be. Okay. And puja room is like, uh, you know, it's like the God. God can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. But there are certain areas where it is more conducive, more, en more energy you can get by doing that. Oh, okay. It's usually in the northeast mm -hmm. and usually facing to the east or the north. Okay. Prayer room. Now, uh, let me tell you one more thing which is a little bit off tangent here okay. about the Vastu. That's okay. See, I'm also a global ambassador for the Global Wellness global Institute. Wellness Summit. And uh, the six senses, which are one of the top uh, five star uh, places they build, they are into this wellness industry now. Mm -hmm. So the CEO has come there and uh, he was speaking. Who's CEO. CEO. Oh, oh, okay. CEO. Okay. Of the six senses, okay. he had come, and he was talking, and uh, he was talking about the vastu. Hmm. Said, wow, he's talking about the vastu, yeah. He said, you know, somebody told me we were not having the business on that uh, particular uh, resort they were building, mm -hmm. and people kept telling me that you have a wrong vastu, you have a wrong vastu, and he said we resisted that for quite long, quite some time. Yeah. And then finally when the business was really running under loss, we said, okay, what the heck, you know, okay, let's I'll go throw it out there and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> so they got a vastu consultant and they made the correction and the business just started roaring. Really? And they said from then onwards, no matter what it is, where they build, they will first get the vastu consultant and make sure it is for the vastu. This wow. is a sixth census, like Marriott's and yeah, so you know, Six Senses is a big hotel. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. They're very yeah. big. You know, you can Google Six Senses. They okay. have very big, just like Hyatt, Marriott, and Hilton, and all like, and, they have very big resorts. And how was yeah. that tied in with the Global Wellness Institute? He was doing a talk at one of the summits? Or huh, because they have the spas in most of their, yeah. uh, most of their resorts. Okay. So they are incorporating the wellness into their Six Senses mm. uh, resorts. 
So gotcha. that is how the, uh, the the CEO was giving the talk. In the, okay, uh, got in the it. Way. Now I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the wellness. I was following them. I follow them. Um, I would like to see they they do their eight trends, I believe, every year. Good. Uh, I was, yeah, yeah, I saw their newest one. They talked about them. Functional sense was mm-hmm. one of them, and then of course uh, one of the big ones right now is the way China is going to change the face of wellness, just because. Oh my God! So China much money. Is so big. So, <laughs> so big. Much money. I think they're going to be the leaders pretty soon. China I, and India. Yeah. The Asian Pacific, the Pacific Rim countries are going to be so much into wellness. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the global leader. Wellness and soon. fitness, because yeah. I know even CrossFit. Um, you know, CrossFit obviously is a gym, big gym kind of company here in the West, but. They're expanding, but they've stopped expanding in the U.S. They're actually starting to drop down a bit now. But they've said, they've said, you know, the three biggest markets they're aiming at now to grow their brand is India, China, and Brazil. Correct. You know, which is the three heavily you know, most populated countries right. in the world. So in India, the wellness is growing at the rate of seventeen percent a year. Really? Yeah. Twenty-three percent. Now it's come down a little bit. Seven mm-hmm. between seventeen and twenty-three percent. They're even building like wellness towns there now. I saw. There's they are. <laughs> yeah. Now, most of the townships and all these big, big things, they're entering. Uh, they are also following this Vastu and other things. Oh, are so they? Okay. slowly, slowly, these things are getting really big. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you if they followed any Vastu or anything. Uh, now let's talk because a lot of people know what yoga is, but even I get a little bit confused sometimes because. You hear, do you know the different styles of yoga kind of? Do you know a lot about them, a little bit about them? Yeah, there are a lot of yogas and, you know, they are getting uh, a lot of hybrid variants. Uh, yeah. Coming into They're like in, a nude yoga, beer yoga, we call them silly. Yoga. Uh, let's call them silly ones, okay? They're <laughs> stupid. That's my point. That's kind of what I'm getting to. Western yoga, you know, a lot of flows and wearing Lululemon and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's very different than traditional sort right. of. Right. But... It's, it's hard to find, like, well, I'm trying to find information. Like, I type in, you know, traditional, and you get the word hatha. But mm-hmm. then it says hatha is just an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. So what is kind of like, what is more of, what is the, what a style is kind of an original yoga? Yeah. Like, what's a what real yoga see, should look like? See, the, uh, let me tell you first the purpose of yoga. Okay. And then uh, let me talk about uh, various types of yoga. Okay. Well, the purpose of yoga and the pranayama, of course, the breathing techniques, mm-hmm is to make your body in a very fit, uh, body fit, so that it is good to sit and meditation, and also it controls the mind with the breathing, and also your body, breathing, position, postures, everything is strong enough to uh, uh, continue in your spiritual path. That is the very purpose of the yoga, okay. to keep you healthy, mm-hmm. so that you are fit for the spiritual journey. That okay. is the first, number one, and only one uh, purpose of yoga. Okay. Now, because yoga also has a lot of benefits as a physical fitness, mm-hmm. so people have taken that into different directions mm-hmm. and make it into like power yoga, this yoga, that yoga, and all. But this is a, there is a eightfold pathway in the spiritual journey, and among them, this is one. Of them, yoga. Okay. Yoga. So there's uh, eight, the, eight full paths. Yeah. So there's eight paths, eight, and uh, one of them is yoga. Uh, eight full disciplines. Eight full disciplines. Sorry. Uh, eight full disciplines. Okay. And among them, yoga is one of them. Okay. Uh, so with all that together, let us call Ashtanga Yoga, eightfold discipline. Okay. So that is the correct one. And in that, this uh, various forms of yogas are there. Not all of them are good for everybody. 
Mm. First, you have to understand what is the body constitution of the person, mm -hmm. what is the mind constitution of the person, and what is the age of the person, mm -hmm. and what is the purpose he is doing it for. All this has to be understood, mm -hmm. and then a good teacher should customize the yoga for that individual. Okay. Then only it will have the real benefit of the yoga. Otherwise, you will have some physical benefit, definitely. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it may act in a different way. Uh, it is not very helpful for your uh, journey. Hmm. Yeah, it can also, uh, like for example, uh, it has to open up all the channels in the body, energy mm -hmm. channels. Okay. And let's say you do some posture and uh, you're not doing it correctly and you're not breathing correctly, you're not keeping your vision or uh, very focused correctly, mm -hmm. the energy can start flowing in different directions. But you yeah. may be just doing a yes, so-called yoga, but it's not helping you. In fact, it may not even be, uh, you know, it could be even be dangerous for you. Okay, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, because I hear a lot of criticism when it comes to the way they teach yoga in the West. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of just kind of exercise class style of stuff. Because yeah, like when I when I did yoga, even at your place, you know, it, I, I really like yoga focuses a lot on the breathing and I find that when you do it you know in sort of Vancouver or Canada all that it's much more there's very little focus on the breathing like you talked about the focus with the eyes I mean I don't even think I've ever had a yoga instructor talk about the focus on the eyes so what's your thoughts on kind of Western the Western version yeah. of yoga <laughs> well you know the thing is first let the yoga become popular it is getting popular. Okay? Yes, definitely. So let it come. Now you can start, you know, just like you have a bulldozer, you know, taking off all the dirt. And now first it will take off all the dirt first. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of clean it, clean it, clean it, and make it really neat. Mm -hmm. So like that, let the yoga flow first. Okay. You know, it may be right or wrong, whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you sort it out. Yeah. Then, you know, slowly, slowly people are thinking, oh, okay, well, this yoga is not working for me. There has got to be something different, something mm -hmm. different. So they go into deeper and deeper and deeper so the cleaning takes place then all this junk thing will go out yeah and then anyway yoga is already known and popular it will it will fix it okay it, that is the way the nature operates you know mm -hmm. many many times that is the way the nature yeah, operates makes sense. yeah, yeah. Makes so sense. you cannot just go everything so perfect to start with yeah yeah it's very difficult because i remember once i went into this uh, one of these financial advisor meeting mm -hmm. he said you know don't worry about the taxes first you make the money yeah, what? But you make a lot of money. That makes sense. And Worry about taxes yeah. when you have throw the money all your receipts, Throw all your receipts all over the place. Mm -hmm. Then they want to do a tax audit. Put them all in a suitcase and put it in front of the tax man. You know, let him sort it out for you. I'll tell you, my friend used to, he used to get his, he used to have, because back in Canada, you used to be able to do this can anymore, but you ate your tax forms, he right. would just sign it and send it in the mail, <laughs> empty. He's like, oh, he goes, they do it. He goes, I don't really care. Yeah. It made sense, yeah. but yeah, I don't think you can do that anymore. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. No. So yeah, so get yoga popular and then people will figure out what works for them. What exactly. Yeah, and the silly ones right. will probably fall to the yes, side. Yes, yes. Like surfboard standing on your head yeah. while drinking a beer. Because to me, the one thing I don't like about North, you know, Western culture is they have to take everything to the extreme. It's like just yoga wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. So then we had to invent like power yoga, but then power yoga wasn't good enough. We had to do it on like a, a surfboard, and now you got to do it on a surfboard with a beer. It's, it's just kind of silly to me. But, but I can see that, what you're saying. See, the Western culture is very rajasic. That means uh, pitta, and rajasic, like a fire. You know, they, mm -hmm. they are not satisfied with. Okay, whatever you say, you do it, you know, no, I want to find out myself, which is good. Mm -hmm. You know, they do this, they do that, there are all different kinds, and then 
They are very serious people. In fact, I love the way the Westerners uh, do certain things because they go very deep, 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 deep. Because unless they experience themselves, it is not uh, easy for them just to take everybody's word. Yeah. You know, if you are born in India, it is a different thing because you are born into a culture. They tell you all these things. So initially, as a child, you are basically indoctrinated into that. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you just follow and sometimes you blindly follow. And you Ages don't, a lot. Ah, you yeah. don't do a lot of uh, like that. But the Westerners are not like that. You know, they come and see, oh, there is some benefit and there is something new. They want to take it out and then, you know, just shake it up completely mm-hmm. and then see it. I like that also. That is a very good spirit, actually. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Because, you know, just being here, I tend to think about it kind of the opposite. Oh, like, well, why so. do we have to take everything and make it stupid? <laughs> but I guess your way makes sense. No, no. I, I really like the way because that's... Flip uh, my thinking. Yeah. <laughs> see, I have come to the West now mm-hmm. and I'm talking and I'm seeing a lot of Westerners here. Mm-hmm. They're so sincere, you know. I met so many people, uh, you know, in that uh, class we had the other mm-hmm. day, there are so many people that are so serious. Mm-hmm. Why are they so serious and coming to listen to me? Mm-hmm. Because they have already gone through the like, yoga or Ayurveda or whatever it is in the West. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're not finding something what they're looking for. Yeah. So then they want to uh, listen to me and see if there is something this guy is going to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, you know, it will go on and on and on. And like me, there will be thousands of other people will be coming and talking. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it will connect here and there. The universe has a very beautiful way of putting the truth in there but yeah. they, it wants to see everybody shake up a little bit you yeah, know and makes see sense. Yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally believe in that and mm-hmm. Westerners are wonderful okay <laughs> <laughs> there we go uh, let's go back to Ayurveda then for a minute where where does one start with it so do they start like by learning their dosha is that kind of a beginning point do they start by following the, the there's an Ayurvedic clock which is uh, interestingly almost a mirror of the circadian clock now right. uh, which I, I find it so funny like, part of my talk was the other day was how all these things that are you know new are actually very old you look at the Ayurveda clock it's like you know you wake up and do your light exercise here you do your breathing here you go to bed by this time and you're supposed to be like deep sleep by 10 and now we see circadian science is yeah be in bed by 10 o'clock because you get your best sleep and all that intermittent fasting you yeah. know like you talked about in Ayurveda like the biggest meal is lunch mm-hmm. and then the dinner is usually quite small and quite light mm-hmm. and then like you, you had brought up about the Nobel Prize being won for you know intermittent yeah, yeah autophagy mm-hmm. with the uh, mm-hmm. fasting so like where does one start like do, like do I start with the Ayurvedic clock do I have to know my dosha like I don't like it's yeah. so big where does one know the uh there are two ways. Are you coming as a uh, person to get a consultation or are you going to uh, learn Ayurveda? There are two different ways. Okay. Which way you're asking the question? Okay. Let's say I just wanted to start living an Ayurvedic lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, I don't want to come and be a teacher uh-huh. or a doctor, but right, I want to learn right. the style yeah. for life. Well, you know, you meet a proper person uh, who is expert in Ayurveda. Okay. First, the person will, uh, they, we call them Vaidyas, if they are you know, properly trained Ayurveda physicians. Okay. They will assess you, your body, mind, constitution, what is your original constitution that's called Prakriti, okay. and what has gone wrong and out of balance that's called Vikriti. Okay. And based on the Prakriti and Vikriti and how various energies uh, are flowing in your body and where the variance and imbalance has taken place and what kind of herb or medicine or what kind of yoga or what kind of meditation you should do, all these things, a wholesome approach has to be done. 
and where do you live, you know, how is your house built, where do you sleep, you know, completely. Sounds a little longer than visiting the doctor here. Right. It's, it's <laughs> a very long, and that's what we do at our center. I was going to say, that's what yeah. you do, because I remember Ramona yeah. did yes. something and, like that. And uh, even uh, we do their birth chart, and all, because birth, that's, uh, you can call it astrology. Okay. Astrology is the science of astral life. We live in three layers, like physical, astral, and the causal. Okay. So the astral layer has a journey. That is where all the diseases start. You know, they, now they say mind is the root cause of the disease. Mm -hmm. And um, diseases are born at the mind level and all. Mm -hmm. That is, mind is the astral uh, living. Is that kind of like, like all diseases are from stress? stress or something like so the, the mind is nothing but the expressions of all the imprints we have, the thoughts. This could be coming in now or it could have been there for a long time as a past. All these things are there. So that is the astral life. So that journey has a blueprint. Okay. So the unfolding that blueprint is the astrology. And it is very related to Ayurveda. Because okay. if you are if you don't know where your body and mind's journey is going, how can you do something blindly, right? Mm -hmm. So based on all this, you figure out this entire gamut of this person's situation, and then you start proposing various things. In uh, Ayurveda it says that body is basically like the wound of the mind. Okay. The, yeah, the, the wound, of the wound of the mind. Okay. The various karmic imprints in the sojourn of the soul, mm -hmm. they express in the body as diseases. Okay. Okay. Karmic imprints. Okay. So the karmic imprints are in the past, what we accumulate now, what we may accumulate in the future. So there are three types of imprints. Our purpose is to know the past so that we can use our free will and change it. The present one, we can do it with our free will, not to accumulate any of those uh, karmic imprints. Mm -hmm. Karmic imprints are nothing but stored memory, whether it's good or bad, it's a stored memory, okay. okay? Which stays with you longer beyond the body. Body has a shorter shelf life, mind has a longer shelf life. Okay. So it carries on, it will manufacture another body. When this body goes up, it manufactures another body to express the imprints. So is reincarnation a thing then? Well, you can call it as a reincarnation if you want it that way, but definitely the mind uh, is the one which is a longer shelf life. Okay. And it has to express it. Okay. So depending on the strength or the uh, quantum of the imprints, mm -hmm. it will materialize. Okay. So that is the belief of the Ayurveda, and that is the science of Ayurveda. So okay. based on that... So you have to get that done, that gets done at your... Yeah, you study all that and then you propose what the person should do, because there are various ways of taking out this karmic imprints. One is mm. maybe medicine, meditation, giving it to charity, there's various ways of mantras and japas and various uh, rituals of offering. Uh, herbs to fire with the mantras and all. So it's a very detailed process. It is like connecting to the cosmos all the time and mm -hmm. be in harmony with the cosmos. That's a very beautiful science which I, you know, having been a medical doctor, modern science medical doctor, having studied so many different alternative methodologies, healing uh, modalities, mm -hmm. I can tell you that Personally, I have not been able to find anything so profound. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can say that. It's very deep. <laughs> it's very deep. Now, okay. coming to your second part of the question, okay. how to live the Ayurvedic life. You have, mm -hmm. Now you have come, it's all done. 
you know, you're starting and the person will advise you, do this, do that, live like this and all, and give the, all the circadian rhythm thing, understanding and all. Now you say, I want to know a little more about it. Okay, study the Ayurveda now. So there are various nice books, you know, you can recommend, you know, mm-hmm. which book to read and when to read, what to read and where your questions are. You can come back and we'll, uh, you know, explain that to you and all that's how the life goes mm-hmm. on. And that's how you learn. Gotcha. That's the journey begins. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question then. You have all these people running around becoming yoga instructors, you know, the Yoga 200 certification. Uh, to me, it seems like, because like you would said, yoga is kind of one part. And I'll bring up the word, sometimes I'll talk to a yoga instructor and I'll say, have you heard of Ayurveda? And they've heard of it, they might know what it is. Maybe there's the Ayurvedic spa, you know, downtown or whatever. I think a lot of people just think it's kind of like a spa treatment. But Vastu is something they've never, never heard of. It just, it seems to me if you're, if, I don't know, if I was going to become a yoga instructor, I guess I'm just saying, I think I'd want to learn a little bit about the other stuff too. Would you say that, you know, maybe the knowledge of Vastu is something that more yoga instructors should maybe learn a little bit about? I mean, if you're building a yoga studio, should it not be based on... Yeah, not only just the yoga studio, you know, anything, wherever you live, including the town or the site you buy or the place you buy, acreages, Mm -hmm. land, uh, house, everything, you know, it, it talks about everything where the door should be, where the kitchen should be, which direction you should uh, put your furniture, uh, heavy one where, the lighter one where, what kind of material, what kind of landscape you should have, what kind of plants you should put, what kind of colors you should have, and different directions. It is very vast. Hmm. Science is very vast. That's why I wrote a book, a very small book, a Vastu workbook. Mm-hmm. It has a kind of a direction where you want to look at. You know, yeah. It is not like a... Like the DOS for dummies, you know, they yeah. used to write like that. It is a vastu, it's a very basic thing. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, you can go deeper. Mm-hmm. But uh, suddenly if you say vastu and you have no direction and you have not heard about the word, then it becomes very difficult. That's why I wrote the basic book, mm-hmm. very basic book. And even that basic still complicated. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times I had to go back and reread it. I'm like, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to figure out how to make like, the vast, literally vastu for dummies. <laughs> But no, it was, a, it was a good book, though. You can get that on Amazon. I believe I ordered it just Yeah, you can Amazon. get it on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. You, thank you for signing it, by oh, the no way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, can we just, let's, uh, I don't want to keep, we're going about 40 minutes, so let's just talk really quickly about the doshas, because I think that's what people are familiar mm-hmm. with. So you mentioned the pita, which is the fire. So what is a dosha exactly, and like, why should we care? Yeah. Actually, uh, the dosha uh, uh, is used like that, but they are the governing factors. Of okay. the body. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there are three of them called Vata, Pitta and Kapha. Mm-hmm. They have the basic roots from the five elemental principles. Okay. Like Which for is example, fire, space, uh, like uh, Vata is space and air, mm-hmm. Pitta is fire and water, Kapha is uh, water and earth. Okay. When we say water or fire or earth, it is not like you know water, water, it is a liquid mm-hmm. principle. Mm-hmm. So water is also part of the water uh, principle because it's easy for people to understand. Fire, when you say fire, it's fire, it's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. But your body heat and the metabolic factors, everything is part of the fire yeah, too. Even like anger, right? Like anger and is a anger fire, is a fire too, yeah. yeah. And uh, all the moments, like you know, thinking or uh, food you eat, yeah. going down, spicy food, urination, all this movement, every moment is water principle, even an atom has got all the five elemental principles. Okay. Uh, so it is so subtle and so vast at the mm-hmm. same time. 
So all these three factors, they govern all our physiology and psychology and there are five subdivisions to each one of these doshas. Okay. So each then it becomes very... 15 now. Uh, so total of 15. Yeah. So they all have different, different parts of the body. They have their predominance where they govern the functions of mm -hmm. the body. So understanding all these divisions and what they are doing in the body, where they are supposed to do what and how they are supposed to interact and you understand that by reading the pulse and also various questions and other investigations and all, then you decide, oh, okay, these are the uh, sub-doshas or the doshas are in imbalance and these are the things you need to do correct, uh, correct okay. Okay, to bring it down, the balance. So an example might be like a, a simpler, a simple example might be somebody with a, it's a, like, um, maybe they're, you give them spicier foods to give them a little bit of life or something like that, or to energize them a bit. Like, what would that be? That would be like a water person and giving them a little more? No, it's not like that. No. Uh, there are six uh, tastes mm -hmm. uh, in the food. Yep. So a balanced food should have all the six tastes together, well mm -hmm. balanced. That's why the Ayurvedic cooking is a very beautiful science. In Ayurveda, the kitchen is a pharmacy. Mm -hmm. If you know how to eat and what to eat and how much to eat and when to eat, Mm -hmm. You probably have gotten into a very good Ayurvedic lifestyle. But there's, food, what this there's foods show. aimed at your... Right, your personality also. Yeah. Like, for example, let's say you're a pitta person. Mm -hmm. It's more like fire and, you know, very strong. Yeah. Now, if you take a lot of pitta uh, food, yeah. it will aggravate your pitta very quickly. Yeah. So, like so you need to take something... No, you need to take something, uh, you know, cooling your pitta. Yeah. Because it can easily get aggravated. Mm. Now, if you are a vata person and you eat more of the vata food, it will aggravate your vata and you will go out of balance. Mm. So it's for the kapha. So there are foods and various ingredients in preparing the food are known to have these qualities. So mm. you need to understand those qualities and to balance. Now let's say you are a pitta person, you come to me, I will probably would recommend you to take something more cooling, something which will balance your pitta, Mm -hmm. If it is out of balance, if it is weak, I'll give you something which will strengthen your pitta. Okay. So that is how you have to understand the pitta, okay. uh, the vata, the kapha. Very nice. <laughs> now let's just let's just uh, wrap up then and talk about your um, your resort for yeah. a couple of minutes. So, because yeah. like what you know, you guys offer you come there and you have the your initial what is it consultation consultation, yeah. consultation that's where they figure out a lot of stuff yeah <laughs> a lot of stuff yeah. and then from there you your clinic your clinic the doctor is clinician doctor what yeah no our doctors are ayurveda doctors okay yeah they would then give you your treatments right they would assign Correct. you treatments yes. based yeah. on it so uh -huh. it's not like where you go to a spa and you kind of say i want this or this no no no, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, okay. no, no so no. they assign it to you yeah um, is the food assigned too or is it more yes just, yeah. yeah okay the food is also uh, assigned Based on what treatment you are going through. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then there's yoga there as well. Yes, there's uh, yoga and there's, I believe also. there was a morning and an evening. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And there were slightly different styles. I no, think. the yoga when you are taking uh, Ayurvedic treatment is quite different oh, okay. than doing yoga alone because while taking treatment is one thing, mm -hmm. and after the treatment is another thing. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So while taking treatment. You're not supposed to do any heavy duty yoga. It has to be okay. basically a little stretch and you know just to uh, keep your body uh, in motion uh, fairly okay. easy way. Okay. Okay. Nothing okay. straining during yeah. the treatment. Period. Okay. Yeah. So our yoga is not 
వెరీ స్ట్రెనియస్ యోగా బట్ ఆఫ్టర్ ద ట్రీట్మెంట్ అండ్ యూ వాంట్ టు డూ యోగా అండ్ యూ వాంట్ టు లర్న్ మోర్ అబౌట్ యోగా ఫర్ యువర్ బాడీ అండ్ ఆల్ దెన్ దెర్ విల్ బి డిఫరెంట్ టీచింగ్ ఓకే ఐ ఎంజాయ్ యూ యోగా టుక్ మీ ఫ్యూ డేస్ బై ఫైనలీ రియలైజ్ దోస్ ద వాల్ ఒక <laughs> but the benefits are uh, you know the same way as uh, how long you stay and what is your problem mm-hmm. based on your health issues and both psychological mental physical all these things we decide what are all the things are required and how long it will take so we usually tell people when they book okay this is probably what you need Okay. based on the information you are given so you do us. a pre almost like a pre assessment pre assessment yes oh, okay. pre assessment and then once you come here based on the real consultation we'll explain to you everything and then you can decide okay how, that's how it works do you usually tell them just to book a one way ticket because it might change when they get there <laughs> <laughs> well a lot of people end up staying longer do they? they don't know what the how deep the their problem has been mm-hmm. so once uh, it all has been explained a uh, lot of people extend uh, uh, stay longer Mm-hmm. and they get a better, better benefit actually okay yeah. and yeah. where can people find is there a website for it oh yeah it's called ayurindus a y u r i n d u s ayurindus okay yeah dot .com dot, okay that's nice that's it. i'll put that in the show notes too so if you guys are listening to this you can always go to the show notes and you watch it if you're watching on the screen it's actually appearing at the bottom as we speak yes. so all good <laughs> um is there anything else you'd like to say just to let people like maybe any final words on ayurveda for people that maybe are still skeptical or maybe you're on the fence or you know when you start talking about astrology too i know some north, you know north americans kind of go, oh here we go well being skeptic is human mm-hmm simply criticizing and not following it without knowing it is stupid yep ha huh. so, so being skeptic i welcome that so mm-hmm. now if you have a uh, question or you have a problem you know you try to understand what it is and then if it agrees with you or you appeals to you and you think that it is it has got uh, some sense to it then you follow it otherwise don't follow it mm-hmm. so like for example you mentioned astrology and you know some people go uh, like that mm-hmm. i did the same thing too but when i started understanding the deeper connections of our self mm-hmm. to the cosmos and how everything works then i have the understanding now and i agree with that now can anybody say sun is not shining sun has got no influence moon has got no influence on the earth and the mind and everything that's very well known even the science it is not yep. but when you talk about other planets and stars and all you know because there are no easy instruments to gauge what is this saturn is affecting you yeah, what is jupiter, jupiter is, is affecting you what is the pluto is doing to you or what some star is doing to you but you know now they are trying to even listen to the sounds of uh, various galaxies and uh, different stars and you know they have put this uh, telescopes and uh, listening devices and now they're all 24 hours monitoring that right mm-hmm. why do you do that if you don't believe in anything if there are no stars you don't believe it Yeah, right sure so these things have been understood you know if you are a microcosm 
of the macrocosm. That means what happens up there happens here too, right? Mm-hmm. So go deeper and yeah, see. If it doesn't, if you don't see it, then you come back and say it's stupid. I think uh, it's quantum. The the understanding is a quantum physics. Yeah, quantum, quantum I think physics. You'll start yeah. Seeing, huh. yeah. Now people, how many people know quantum physics? Mm-hmm. Very few people, isn't yeah. it? Isn't well, it? since the Avengers came out, we all know. Right. I mean, <laughs> the so-called science, scientific proof, scientific proof, and all is only four hundred years old since the Newtonian time. Mm-hmm. So the quantum events have been uh, ex- uh, experimented in the physics now. So they uh, call it quantum physics. What is the quantum physics means? One which you cannot really give a rational uh, description. It is mm-hmm. not so-called gravity or something, you know, you explain. Yeah. So quantum event is quantum event. So the basic tenet of the quantum event is because you cannot explain. Mm-hmm. There is something there beyond that and that is called energy. Mm-hmm. If you call that energy as a pure, uh, uh, pure consciousness, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You can call it as uh, God, or you can call it as this, uh, this, whatever. So that is a quantum event. And Ayurveda science is brought out from the quantum event to the classical event. So when you try to understand at the classical level, okay, simple things you can understand. Some things where you have to go deeper. Mm-hmm. There the quantum event is there. But even in the quantum, you can enter into the quantum space. At that point you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, you have an intuition. Okay? A, a, which, right? Let's say you get an intuition. intuition. Okay. All okay. people, all human beings will have intuitions of some sort in their life. Mm-hmm. So when you have an intuition, do you go and say, ask somebody, well, you know, I had an intuition, do you think it is right or wrong? No, because you know it is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is called intuition. Yeah. So, the quantum events are the Ayurvedic things. You have to experience that. We go deeper. Then only you will say whether it is bhagga or it is a real thing or something. Mm-hmm. Without that, it is very difficult. See, I am a modern medical doctor. Mm-hmm. So why do I so strongly believe in Ayurveda? Because I have made the journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you've seen it's it my work. personal yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. It is not something someone else's experience. No, mm-hmm. it's my personal experience. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you. Oh, so, you're guys, make sure you go to the website, check it out. Like it says in the show notes, uh, amazing place. The smell of the sandalwood there is just mm-hmm. so. But three thousand, four thousand sandalwood trees. I mean, from what I understand, they're, that's even. They're, uh, you're not even allowed to ship sandalwood out of India. Anymore. Yeah, because a lot of sandalwood has been poached out, and there's uh, hardly any left. Hmm. Yeah, so I allow the sandalwood to grow because it is a natural habitat for sandalwood. And I don't yeah. actually plant them. You know, they just grow they're there. Just, they're just yeah. wild. They're and just nature. The no, berries no. are eaten by the birds. Okay. And when it goes through the GI system, it germinates. Otherwise, it doesn't. Okay. And it, the birds are all over and the berries are all over and its uh, whole place has become like birds chirping, sandalwood growing. And, yeah. and by the way, when I talk about the sandalwood, Mm-hmm. It is something very unique, you know. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, sandalwood oil is mm-hmm. the only oil which will energize all your energy centers, all the chakras. Okay. So for a tree to grow and to concentrate all that energy into one point, that whole atmosphere has to be so sacred and so so much energy in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, make sure you guys go visit it. It's definitely worth it. If the trees love it, I love it. You'll love it too. Uh, <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.